Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're reading again, or we've heard read, the second lesson Martin read from Philippians uh, chapter 3. There are just four chapters in that letter, and quite often uh, Paul is mentioning the word joy in the letter. In fact, next week again we hear all about this, and also peace. The joy of the Lord and the peace of God. Um, but let's just remember that when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. And he writes about being joyful and being at peace. So how can uh, Paul be joyful and at peace when it seems like the circumstances of his life are against him? Just think about yourself. Just think about yourself or the people that you know. Um, how, how, how do you describe your life to be joyful and peaceful? Or when can you describe your life to be joyful and peaceful? And mostly, if we look at ourselves, people around us, it probably uh, is determined by the things that are going on in our life the circumstances that are happening in our life. If we're doing well according to our own standards or even um, what other people in our community expect, then we can be happy and joyful. If you can afford what you want, if you've got what you need, if you're financially secure, if others think well of you, and if you seem to be in control of your life, then you can be happy. You can be at peace. But what if you can't afford what you desire or even what you really need? What if you struggle? What if you don't have a secure future? And what if others look down on you and ignore you? What if you apparently are not in control of your life? What then? Can you be joyful? Can you be at peace? What's your answer? Usually not. Generally not. We don't feel that joyful when things are going against us. If things don't go the way you hope, then there's not much joy and peace. So how does Paul, who is in prison, have joy and peace? And would you like to have this kind of joy and peace that Paul seems to have, he does have, despite the circumstances of life that are going on around him, the circumstances all around him, and that it doesn't rob him of joy and peace? So we remember that Paul was in prison, but he used to have a very different kind of life. He was born in a wealthy family. Actually, in the reading that uh, Martin read, he lists on, off a whole lot, a lot of things. He was a Roman citizen by birth, and this gave him a number of privileges. And he was sent to the best teachers. He enjoyed a wonderful education, we could say. Uh, and that would have opened doors for his career. 
He had a zeal and commitment to God as he understood it. And this was to other people. They would have looked at him and said, his, his devotion is impeccable. He went above and beyond in his dedication to his religious beliefs. According to the standards and expectations of his day, he was the man to envy. If anyone would have looked at him, they would have said, everything's going good for him. He's got it all. He's got so many reasons to rejoice. Everything seems to be going good for him. Surely God will reward Paul. Surely Paul has earned God's reward. But Paul says in that reading we heard today, but whatever were gains to me, all these privilege and possessions of his life, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul takes a look at all these things that he might have put confidence in, that impressive resume of his life, Paul now counts it as worth nothing in God's sight. What is it that you might be counting on before God? You come from a long line in your family, a long line of Christians slash Lutherans. Well, that's good. But don't trust in it to score points with God. Have you led an outwardly respectable life? never falling into drugs or drunkenness or sexual promiscuity? Okay, smart way to live, but you don't earn your way to heaven through that, by that. You come to church every week, treat people well, are you basically a kind and thoughtful person? That's wonderful. But if you're counting on getting more points from God for that, then you're wrong. Listen to Paul again in chapter 3. He says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He goes on to say, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that God, from God, that depends on faith. So all these things that Paul could have prided himself in, he now counts as rubbish or garbage. This is the way our... Uh, Bible has translated it mostly, garbage or that kind of word, but actually it was this word, one that I'm not allowed to say in church. I did take a little a bit of a survey from one or two people and they said, no, you can't say that, that word. So uh, we might, uh, to translate it a little bit clearer for you, we might say dung or manure or that word that's not, that I can't say here. This is what Paul was saying. It's that 
that's what I consider. Everything is just like that now because Christ is so much more to me. I don't, this is like a loss. I don't care about this loss in my life. All those things aren't that big in my life, he says. One day before he was a Christian, uh, Paul was on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him. And Paul came to see that the advantages that he had gained on earth didn't gain him any advantage before God. God made Paul blind that day and paradoxically uh, Paul could see then more clearly the one thing that his profitable and privileged life hadn't given him that was missing from his profitable and privileged life, and that is Christ. To be with Christ, to be found in Christ, not because he deserved it now, none of us do, but because this is God's gift. And this came to Paul, this free gift. So Paul says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes from God through faith. This is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ that Paul tells us about so clearly in all of his letters to the Galatians, to Romans, here again in Philippians. He, he says how um, wonderful this is. When, when he thought about this grace of God and love of God in his life, here in Philippians he talks about everything else is just rubbish to me and this is, this is something so wonderful. Um, the letter of Galatians, uh, Paul used to say, that's like my Katie Von Bora, this is like my wife, this is something I really love, I really love this letter where the grace of God comes so clearly to me like I love my wife. So it was a special, had a special place in his heart. And here again, we, we are getting that message from Paul. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. There is nothing else that can compare, he's saying. Nothing else that can compare. For only Christ Jesus is your Savior. You are forgiven. You are free. The pressure is off. The weight is lifted. There's no more wondering, have I done enough? Must I do more? Uh, is my um, conversion, is my faith in, in God true and enough for him? Have I prayed enough? Have I read the Bible enough? Have I studied enough? None of us have, but Jesus has done enough, more than enough for us. And this is the, the joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of knowing Jesus. Well, a few, a few weeks ago I did mention... Uh, Blessed assurance, me save through Jesus, he blong me. Blood blong and by me, Lord Calvary. Was in me, penis, God yet make him. Ozem na? Heaven by me, look him. Me blah, Papua New Guinea, me blah, save, good Lord is the song. We really know this song and it really is translated really quite sharply for us, I think, better than the English. It, it, it really says, we, we know this. We are part of this because of what God has done for us. And it's a completed thing in our life. We say, for example, was him me pinis, huh? Was him me pinis. You know, was him me, tomorrow by me, was him me again, again, again. 
is not washing me over and over. It's a completed action. It's completed. I can have full trust in this because God has done it and it's sure and it's completed. Therefore, therefore I'm going to see this life forever with Christ. And the, the, the author of that song there, the one who penned it, is Fanny Crosby. There, and she wrote maybe 8,000 hymns. It says over 8,000 hymns. And she was soon after birth became blind. And so in her infancy, she became blind and she remained blind for the rest of her life. And uh, this woman, Fanny Crosby, never gave in to bitterness or self-pity, or at least in her uh, testimony, she never did. Once Fanny said, it seems like God intended me to be blind all my life. And I thank God for it, she said. And I thank God for it. So here we see, just like uh, uh, Paul, Fanny is seeing all those kinds of advantages of life. If I had sight, even even that that's like rubbish to me. I thank God that I'm blind, she said. She went on to say, if perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I'd been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things around me, she said. So it's a little bit like, you know, she's lost one of her senses which heightened all her other senses, her hearing, which gave her that great ability, therefore, to write and, and produce hymns to be sung. So Fanny Crosby, what it seemed to others was like a loss in her life, a great loss that she had lost her sight and had never been able to remember seeing anything, <coughs> to her, this presented as a great opportunity for a deep faith in Christ and an opportunity to praise God in the song she wrote. And many people have been inspired to uh, uh, sing her songs. What is another one? What's another Fanny Crosby song? Um, to God be the glory, great things he has done. That's another one of hers. Near the cross, I think, is another one. Anyway, they're quite well known, but Blessed Assurance is the English one. Me sabe through Jesus, he belongs me. So, I want to leave you with a couple of questions. Of all your possessions, what would you miss if it wasn't there? What would you miss in your life? What is so special in your life? And then, how important is Jesus in your life? Is he the cornerstone that holds your life together? If you can answer yes to that, I think you see the reason for the joy and peace in Paul's life and in writing this letter and in Fanny 
Crosby's life, knowing Jesus, so that when your life is turned upside down, and even when, even then you can say, I have the joy in the Lord. And everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. Even when your life is turned upside down, even when you have losses of things in your life that seem important and seem special and seem wonderful in your life, even when all of that's gone, you can have joy and peace knowing Jesus. Everything else is compared compared to that is rubbish, Paul says. And then you can live for Jesus. You can you want to live for him. And, and Jesus becomes the centre of your life as it was for Paul. Uh, he was just propelled to, uh, to, to, to do what he did and live the life he did as a missionary and Fanny Crosby as a writer of gospel songs. Nothing in this world, not the people around you, not your status or your success, but Jesus is your joy and your peace and no one, nothing can take that away from you no matter what happens. Amen. And the peace of God, I'm quoting from Philippians here, and the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That peace and that joy coming from knowing Christ. Amen.